0: You are listening to the Married 2.0 podcast, episode six. Welcome to Married 2.0. I'm your host, Amy Sanders. I'm a fitness and wellness pro, mom, stepmom, second wife, and master certified life coach. I'm here to help you manage your emotions, your relationships, and life so you can live a healthier, happier life. Hey, everyone. We're excited to be here. I have Chris with me.
1: Hello. I'm here.
0: <laughs> and we're talking about a really hard thing today. We're talking about my experience as a stepmom, being the stepmom.
1: This is going to be a good one, too. So get some uh, pencil and paper out and take some notes because this is podcast is going to be jam-packed with all sorts of information that you are going to need
0: and real experiences that we've gone through and as we were going through this we're like oh my gosh we're just laughing about some of them like we've made it this far we're awesome (laughs) right and crazy (laughs) and crazy okay Chris you're gonna you're gonna bring us
1: yeah, this is, this is going to be a little change. Instead of you doing the interviewing, mm-hmm. I actually get to interview you today, so yeah. that's a little different. Yeah. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoys that. If it works out well, maybe we'll do this again with another topic <laughs> down the road. We will see. Okay. So let's start by just talking about our culture and stepmoms. So if you think about how many things we grow up with uh, in our lives that actually involve some sort of a stepmom or mother figure in in people's lives, uh, think about a lot of the Disney movies. Uh, And most of the Disney princesses you know, they either don't have a mom or they have an evil stepmom or an evil mother figure in their lives. Uh, Think about Cinderella. Think about Tangled. Think about Snow White, think about Sleeping Beauty, think about the Little Mermaid. There's all of these examples and things that we grow up with, even at the very young age, like just being kids, where we learn that stepmothers are bad. And in every one of these instances, these characters have to deal with this evil, awful stepmom in their life and all of the negative that comes with that and so it creates this antagonistic relationship even early in in these kids like all of our lives so we grow up with that thinking that stepmoms are evil and none of us ever plan on having a stepmom or in your case being being a stepmom (laughs) and all of a sudden you find yourself being Stepmom, are you the evil stepmom? Like, of course you don't ever think that you're gonna be the evil stepmom, so it's uh, it puts you automatically kind of on the on your back foot. Like you're starting from behind. It's like the race is already gone and yeah. people are halfway around the track. And okay, stepmom, you get to start the race now. Like it's like nearly impossible to start. So that's the condition that a lot um probably most most moms come into uh, as a stepmom. So I'm I'm curious though Amy like what what were your expectations going into marriage number 2 as a stepmom? Like you were becoming a stepmom for the first time.
0: Right. Well, I totally thought I would kill it. <laughs> I thought it was going to be really easy. And I love kids. I love teenagers. Teenagers are my jam. I love hanging out with my daughter's friends and hanging out with them, talking to them about everything. And I knew this about me. I have volunteered in tons of youth groups and organizations that had teenagers, and I am able to relate with them. I always find a way to love each and every one of them. And I'm a total people person. So I just thought, ah, there's going to be more kids in the house. This is going to be more fun, more memories. I knew that I'd be able to love them as my own because I'm able to love other kids as my own. And as funny as it sounds, (laughs) I'm used to being liked. I'm this positive, happy person that people like. So I thought. And so when that wasn't my reality as a stepmom, like right out of the gate, It about killed me, and I started looking at myself thinking, what's wrong with me? How come they don't like me? Why don't they like me? All these crazy thoughts.
1: Wait, so are you telling me that you didn't look at your stepkids as slaves and have like a big long checklist of (laughs) chores for them to work on, like mopping the floor and (laughs) taking out the garbage?
0: I actually didn't. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I just wanted... To have like a bigger, happier family, I thought that that's how it would go. I was like, oh, I can win over anyone's heart. I'm going to do this. I'm all in.
1: Okay. So those were your expectations going into it. Uh, obviously, because we're having this conversation, things probably weren't or didn't end up being that way. So uh, what was it like when when you were dating? Like, At, at what point did you realize that maybe things weren't going to be quite like you thought they were going to be?
0: Well, what's crazy is the first night we met, his kids were just all smiles, and they were really cute. And the youngest two would fight over who could sit on my lap. And so one would sit on my lap for a little while, and then the other one would sit on my lap. And they would, like, cuddle up to me. Remember how we went to that drive-in movie? Yeah. And I was cuddling with a kid on each side, and Chris wasn't cuddling with me. I was, like, with his kids. That was my first night with them, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so great. This is going to be great. You know, I didn't know if you're going to get married yet or not. This is like the first time meeting your kids, but that first experience, I I thought it went really well, and so I had high hopes that these kids were just going to be really easy and great, and we were just going to cruise through that whole dating courtship and see where things go. And then as we continued to date
1: like actually it got while different. we were while we were dating though like it was and we dated for a long time so this wasn't like a 3 week kind no. of a dating it was like months and months and months of spending time with the kids
0: Yeah yeah But it started as we started to get more serious where they were thinking wait our dad might marry this girl The older two started having reservations but it wasn't dead yet. Not quite.
1: But the, the relationship wasn't dead, or what do you mean it wasn't dead?
0: Like, they they still liked me. Ish. <laughs> Ish. Ish. The younger two were still fine, but the older two were starting to have some reservations and started to, to be a little bit more, I don't know, what's the word?
1: Kind of with, withdrawn? Withdrawn,
0: yeah. Withdrawn. I'd say withdrawn.
1: Okay, so like, what did that actually look like, though?
0: Well, um, for instance, they, we were dating, but Wednesday nights were your night with the kids, and remember that time where we were still just dating, and we both happened to go to Chick-fil-A, the same Chick-fil-A that was 20 minutes away from both of our houses, so his he had to drive north. I had to drive south, not knowing that we were both taking our kids to this place.
1: That's right. You were out running errands, mm-hmm. and the kids got hungry. So it was like, you got so to feed the kids quick, that's and that's we what went. they wanted.
0: Yeah, so that's where we went. And we walked in, and you guys were there, and we're like, you and me are like, what are the odds? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Your kids were not happy, and that was prior to being engaged. So that's what I mean. Like, they were, and they were, yeah, they are like, why is she walking in here whatever you planned this We're like no we really yeah, didn't we,
1: we really hadn't planned it no what else was going on
0: um the oldest wasn't coming as often she was struggling with coming this is prior to engagement and then when you did propose
1: like on my my weekends I mean
0: yeah yeah on your weekends and then when you did propose the oldest two did not want to be there during that proposal so they were they were on their way out, like, but they weren't gone. Right. But once the ring was on the finger, everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> everything changed.
1: Yes. Okay, so, so yes, we got engaged, and then what happened?
0: Uh, pretty much immediately, they started bullying my kids. They started acting out at our house. They were blocking us on social media, cell phones, they, you know, so even if we'd call, they were, we were blocked, which is just funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, couldn't couldn't text, uh, couldn't see any social media posts. Uh, they'd always say that they deleted their accounts or just things. Just that, weird things yeah, just that, things like, things kids that don't not, do. I mean, yeah. the oldest
0: is 14, so you're just like... It was just weird behavior, in my opinion. I was like, what is even happening? If I would walk into a room, they would walk out. If I would text them prior to the blocking, like, nothing back. Wish them happy birthday, nothing back. If I try to talk to them, it would be like one-word answers, if any answers. There's times where they would just, like, stare at me and not answer, which I'm like, uh,
1: I don't know what to do. If you weren't (laughs) such an awful stepmom... I know. I mean, at that point, you weren't even a stepmom. I know. It's crazy.
0: So, it's, yeah, when we were engaged, it really started changing. They also stopped, ref- or they started refusing to go to your house altogether. Like, yeah. it was...
1: So, on my weekend, my weekend time with, with the kids, they would refuse to come. and And there were times I would go to pick them up, like, on a Friday afternoon, as soon as I could after work. And I would end up sitting... At the house for hours waiting for them to come out. Do you remember that?
0: Well, yeah, and I thought it was crazy because I was like, leave. Then they don't get to be with you. We're going to have a lot of fun, and now they're going to miss out. I mean, that's how I saw it.
1: Well, it was, it was really hard because, obviously, I wanted to spend the time with the kids. Like, I had such a small window and opportunity to actually have that time. And so if, if that meant I was patient at, a, at the house for a little while to get them to come, then I, I totally would. But... There were times I would spend hours just sitting there waiting uh, as they, quote, unquote, packed and got ready, you know, to spend a whopping two overnights. Like, yeah, you shouldn't take more than five, maybe 10 minutes to, to pack for that. But I would spend hours waiting. Yeah. So and then we would get back to the house and it was it was hard. Like there were so many things that were going on that it was really difficult for me and and more i would
0: cook yeah i would cook and if i touched any part of the food they would not eat it any part so then chris started being like well i'll do the cooking on these weekends and i would feel so bad i was like what now i'm a bad cook now i have a terrible personality now i'm not fun to be with now i'm like a naggy mom i'm like i could not win they wouldn't get in the car if i was in the car i mean just the weirdest things but they all hurt like it like hurt me. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Cause I would question me.
1: Right. Like you took it very personally.
0: I took it very, very personally, especially cause I was not used to that. I was used to being liked. I was used to things working out and things were not working out. So there was one time Chris and I were spending time together with the kids and the kids were getting along and we're like, oh, my gosh, we hear laughing and playing downstairs. Wow. So we stayed upstairs just happy that our kids are getting along. And we're like, okay. And Chris is, like, reassuring me, seeing me, this is okay. Everything's fine. It's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. And I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. It was just like that sliver of hope where we're like, okay.
1: Maybe we've crossed the threshold and and the kids are going to – we're going to actually pull this off and the kids are going to blend. Yeah. Until the next morning.
0: When I wake up and I go downstairs to where the kids were, and it is a disaster. They had taken food downstairs, which is against our rules, and they had basically had a food fight with candy, crackers, and food, even chewed up crackers, and had thrown that all over the room. Like, it was even up inside the light. Like, how do you even get? food inside a light. I don't know, but that's how much just disaster, and I'm not even explaining it well because I don't even know how to explain it well, but it was a mess.
1: It was like a food candy cracker bomb went off inside that bedroom.
0: Yeah, you explained it way better than I did just not even know how (laughs) to explain it, but when I saw it, I was like, are you kidding me? And then I was just Raged. I was so mad because my kids would never do that. But yet, my kids were being part of this doing it. All the kids seemed to be having such a good time. Well, of course they were. They were having a freaking food fight (laughs) in the bedroom. His kids are older and they know better and they don't act like that. That's not like a normal thing for them to do.
1: Well, let's be honest. Like, even your kids being younger knew better than that.
0: Yeah. It just is like this, this is not something that happens. So I was so frustrated. But then I was like, how do I even tell Chris this? And I was pissed that I was going to have to clean it up. I'm like, this is going to take me hours. And it would have. And I think you called or something and asked how I was. And I was like, not good. And so then, of course, Chris is like, so what's going on? Just talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) And really he made it right so what happened was he brought the kids over he had them apologize to me and he made them clean up everything and he didn't let me clean up anything and he valued everything that I was saying and my my frustration and calmed me down didn't side with the kids
1: yeah I mean at the end of the day that that behavior was completely unacceptable and obviously there's consequences when kids do things like that. And so, yeah, my, I I did make the kids come back and clean it up. Like (laughs) that was the only way, uh, that was a, a consequence of their, their behavior. So, but it was like
0: every time we were with the kids,
1: there was something, there was
0: something like that.
1: Yes. Uh, practical jokes. Oh my gosh. Do you remember all the practical jokes that they would play on your kids. Play and on my
0: kids, trying Try and yes. get them to do
1: things that they weren't supposed to, even trying to get them to swear.
0: They would manipulate them. And my boys were little. Like, my youngest was five, and they're trying to get them to swear, and they're trying to get them to admit on, like, recording voice memos that my kids think I am a terrible mom. Like, just crazy things. Terrible yeah, things. Tons
1: of manipulation. Like, it was awful. Um, so...
0: We went to a therapist.
1: Yep. So, a child therapist. Yes, we needed help. We, we realized that we were going to be in well over our heads, yeah. uh, just not even with the stepmom necessarily, but just the entire relationship. There were so many behaviors and things that, like, we had never seen and experienced before that, that we realized, okay, there's, there's stuff going on here that we don't have the tools to deal with right now, and we needed help.
0: We did. So we thought it sounded great to go to a child therapist.
1: Yeah, it does sound great. It
0: does sound great. Let's figure this out. Yeah. (laughs) Also backfired, totally backfired. The advice that we got was that we should give the kids a choice, basically giving them more power. If they don't wanna come, then they shouldn't have to. And we should try and relieve some of the stress that they're experiencing. And the parenting should come between... At this, at this point, we were married, though. I have to say that because at this point, his kids were now my stepkids. And I was told that it would be best if Chris and his ex were the only ones that did any kind of disciplining and parenting with the kids. And that I just needed to be quiet. And they were moving into my house. So I had been living there with my kids... And now him and his kids are moving in and my voice doesn't matter anymore. But their parents' voices do, including their mom, that doesn't even live in the house and is not even there.
1: Yeah, so if, if you start thinking about what the scenario ends up looking like is here we have me as their father, Amy as the stepmom with no voice, no power, no say in anything, and... Uh, the ex like my kid's mom not living there but having a lot of control or power or say of, of what goes on in the house that we are living in and it, it it creates a really interesting dynamic that that's actually pretty much nearly impossible to to make it function the way no it does on paper <laughs>
0: <laughs> it does not work
1: it doesn't work period like if if you get that type of advice run from it because it's not going to work. And let me just kind of walk you through a couple of uh, things that were really off with the advice we got. Uh, first of all, was giving the kids a choice on whether they got to spend time with me or not. Here you've got kids that are 14, 12, nine, and seven, it would have been, right?
0: Just turned eight, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like young kids uh, that need that time with, with their dad. And they were being told that if they didn't necessarily want to come, that they didn't have to. And so it wasn't long before I started hearing, like, well, I have other things going on. I can't make it. I don't want to go. You can't make me. And so, again, I would show up at the house to pick him up, and it was a big fight. Like, you can't make me come, Dad. You can't make me spend time with you. You can't make me do any of these things. And I physically couldn't go in the house and get the kids, And so I would sit there, and they knew.
0: But their mom wasn't making him go out either.
1: Yeah. The response I would get there is, well, I can't make them. I can't physically carry them out of the house and put them in your car. That's what I would get. So the kids knew, and they learned really quickly, that if they just hung out in the house, that they had the power and they had the control and that they could win. If they just stayed there as long as they needed to, then I would eventually go. I would get so frustrated that I would leave.
0: Or they would try and make a deal with you. Well, we will come if you do this with us this weekend.
1: So yeah, very conditional. Uh, and yeah. so that's one thing that doesn't it doesn't work is giving the kids that choice and that power. Uh, granted, there are times when kids are going to have things going on, like if there's activities uh, or you know special birthday outings or experiences, but those can all be clearly communicated well in advance uh so the scheduling uh and that power um kids still need to spend time with their dad
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and there's some things we learned and, and have learned uh to make some of that easier with on the kids uh, so that really that really backfired though
0: yeah and it also backfired on me feeling like i could never say or do anything That was hard because I was like, Kate, they're here. And Chris would leave. So Chris, you know, goes somewhere for a few hours or whatever. And here's the kids. And I'm not supposed to be able to say anything other than happy things and make their lives really happy and good. I don't know. It just didn't work, you know, so I could talk to my kids. However, I would and even my kids friends. But I felt like I would get pure anxiety and feel like I had to walk on eggshells. When it came to anything with his kids, even something as simple as, Have you made your bed yet? would turn into like a massive blow up.
1: And then you can see where the culture of evil stepmom comes into play because kids would go home and the conversation would be, Oh my gosh, can you believe that she asked me to clean my bedroom and make my bed and help out with chores around the house? But that's not how they would word it. No, I know it's not. She made me
0: work the whole time and her kids don't do anything.
1: Yeah, that That kind of that was the messaging that would go back. But you can see like that cultural background of the evil stepmom even asking a kid to make their own bed and nothing else. It wasn't like we had a big long like long list of chores for the kids, just my kids to do every time they came. Like that was not the case at all.
0: I know, but that's how they made it look and feel and sound. Yes. So it was an experience for sure.
1: So we started learning really quickly that that advice was was not going to work. And we made some adjustments.
0: Yeah, we did. So some things worked. It's always a work in progress. We've said in previous podcasts that we're not blended. We're blending.
1: And I honestly, I don't think we will ever be blended it's never Uh -uh. never ever ever going to be a completed process
0: no you're always working on it but one thing that we did was we started making sure that the kids had time with chris without me or my kids there so on his weeknight where he has the kids it's just strictly him and his kids and then when they come he will do things with them that is special so he's gone on hunting trips with his son special dates camping tree or camping trips at
1: I've taken the girls to get mannies and petties. And that's, you know, a fun little thing to do.
0: Just little things that show them that, you know what? Yes, of course your dad still loves you. He still wants to spend time with you and be with you. And you are important. We would talk to them individually about how they're doing. So we would do things. And I felt like we would take one step forward and then a couple steps back. And then one step forward, you know. But one time we were talking we we were like okay so what can we do for these kids at this point we'd been married for i don't know like a year year and a half i don't know but we brought them all in the room sat them on our bed and said we want things to feel comfortable for you here they're really struggling and just trying to make it better and so we basically said what can we do like what what do you guys need in order for things to be better and One of them looked right at me, pointed at me, and said, well, we just don't want her here. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know what to
1: say. How did that make
0: you feel? (laughs) It just makes me feel, at that point, it had been like over a year that we'd been married. So we'd been together for over two years at least, and I was just like, seriously? So of course, like, I'm fuming, but then also mad. like, I'm fuming, but then sad, but then Phil all the feelings. I don't know what to say. I'm like, Chris, like, go (laughs) say something, (laughs) please. I don't know what to do. Yeah.
1: So there, there's been times that we've had some really hard conversations. Uh, another thing that we've, we've learned, uh, I've, I have tried really hard, uh, to listen to my kids. So when they've come over, if they've been frustrated or if I can tell that they're reserved or trying to withdraw, Then I've pulled them aside and just told them, like, "Hey, I I can tell. I feel like you're withdrawn. You're reserved. Can you please tell me what you're feeling? Let's talk through it." And there's times that they've they've been frustrated with things, and you know, it's that's just part of being a member of a family. Uh, But I've I've been really I've tried to be very attentive to how they're acting and making sure that they feel like they can talk to me and I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm not going to take sides. I'm not going to point things out and tell them that they're wrong or tell them that Amy's wrong but I want to listen and hear everything that they have to say uh, so they know that they can come and talk to me if, if they need to. And they don't always do it but uh, it's something that I've, I've tried really hard to pay attention to and make myself available to really just sit down and listen to what their feelings and mostly to make sure that they know that their feelings are important and that they, right. they really they do matter to me. There's times that I, I can't do anything about their feelings. I can't solve the problems, but they at least know that I'm there to hear them and to value their feelings. So what has been your experience as a stepmom?
0: Uh, first of all, hardest thing I've ever done hands down, and I would like to say I've done a lot of hard things, But this has been by far been the hardest. I'm going to go into detail here because I think there's a lot of women who feel this way. And so I want to make sure that you guys realize that you're normal. (laughs) I felt like I wasn't normal for a long time. But there's a lot of guilt that comes around being a stepmom. Because... Society tells you, you know, society's talking about this evil stepmom that everyone believes stepmoms are evil, but then I'm supposed to just love these kids that have just dropped into my life unconditionally, yet I have major anxiety every single time they come over. And so it created a lot of internal conflict here where I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to love these kids unconditionally, yet I can barely handle them in my house. Like, if they were the neighbor kid, I'd be saying, go home. But I can't say that. So then I would feel really bad. And I would feel like I am just, like, the worst person ever. Every other Friday night would be the start of our kid night. And so Chris would go drive down to pick him up. And my anxiety, as, like, the minutes would go by, getting closer to when I knew they were going to walk through my house would skyrocket. My anxiety would be so high. And I don't even struggle with anxiety that bad. But I would dread the weekends because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And so sometimes I would talk to friends about my frustration and no one understood me because (laughs) they weren't in this situation. They were not a stepmom. So on the outside, sure, they can give all kinds of really great sound advice like, Just be patient with them.
1: Try this and try that. Oh,
0: just continually forgive them. Oh, they're just kids. They don't know any better. And I'm like, wait, my kids are younger than them. And my kids are not doing any of these things. And they also come from divorced parents. And so I'd be like, no, that's not it. Uh, I'd also hear things like, just take the bigger road. You're the one that's the adult. You're the adult. Can you imagine how the kids must feel? things like that, and I'm like, whatever, you don't know what those kids are doing, you know, like all these crazy emotions inside, and then they would give me their own parenting advice, and they're parenting their own kids with their husband inside the home, which I love that for them, but that was not my reality. Anyway, none of the advice really stuck, and I felt really alone, because I just felt like no one's going through this that I was in contact with at that point. So I'd feel really bad that I didn't love them the way I loved my own and that something was wrong with me. I had so many feelings. I also, like, would struggle with having no power in my home every other weekend, especially because my kids were there. So my kids are there with his kids and us, and I can't say a lot of things. And then if I would get mad at my kids they would like be like, yeah, see how mean she is. Oh, she's so mean. I'm like, I'm not even parenting you. I'm parenting my own kids.
1: And when we say like mad or mean, it's, Hey, I've asked you to make your bed twice. Go make your bed. You're not going to go out and play with friends or be on electronics until you finish getting your chores done. So nothing like (laughs) super crazy, no yelling, no throwing things, no swearing, like none of, none of that at all. Like it, It's not even part of the insane. But that's the way it would be interpreted. Yes. You've got this evil, awful stepmom that's just yelling and angry.
0: Yeah, it was just hard, especially because I also had these feelings like it seemed like Chris's relationship with his kids before me was really good. And then all of a sudden I'm in his life and it's not good. And so then I have guilt around that like, oh no, did I ruin the relationship with his kids and him? you know there were just so many feelings and then i would like love chris and i loved everything that he was but i could barely look at his kids from and when i say that there was so much history at this point with like bullying my kids acting out on me acting out to them like at this point there was like a lot of history that would make it hard for me to be like open cuz my walls started going up cuz i'm like i got to protect myself i got to protect my kids So it just became this like nightmare situation to me. Another thing that I struggled with, and I don't know, I don't think you struggled with this at all, but I struggled with the fact that they weren't my kids. Like I have this husband and I don't get to share that wonderful part of marriage with having kids together. Because you had your kids, I had my kids, but we didn't have our kids. And I think that's just, like, a woman thing.
1: Yeah, because I don't, yeah, (laughs) no.
0: I think it's a woman (laughs) thing, but it was there. It was, like, there's, like, this little hole that he had this whole other woman that he shared kids with, and it wasn't me. And really, like, you step back and you look at it, and you're like, okay, Amy, it's fine. There are so many relationships just like this in the world, but to me, it just felt so different, and it was hard. There was a ton of feelings and emotions, everything going on for me.
1: The other uh, the other part of this that actually was really hard for me, and I can see actually why a lot of second marriages don't work out, because as the husband, I found myself in a position of kids on one side, wife on the other, mm-hmm. and... They were like it really felt like they were mutually exclusive. So to where it was almost a binary choose your wife or choose your kids. You can't choose both. And that's where it's it's really hard in a, a second plus marriage uh, to to make a decision like that. And you really have to take that step back and realize that kids grow, they grow up, they leave the house, they become adults, and they they live their own lives. And so that window of time that you get with them, while it's super important, it's a it's relatively a short term type of relationship where uh, your your partner is somebody that you're going to be with hopefully for the rest of your life. And so you have to look at that as an investment. You know, do you want do you want to invest your time in? a relationship that's going to be with you until you you die or a relationship that is very short term like you can obviously still have relationships with your kids when they're adults but it's different it's a different kind of relationship and and it's not that by me choosing to be with Amy that I have neglected my kids because that like is far from it far from the right. truth but for me I decided that my relationship with my partner was the most important relationship, and my my relationship with my kids was second most important. And I have still spent a ton of time and effort and put a lot of resources into that relationship, but when there's been times that I've had to choose, uh, it's that has helped me to, to make some hard decisions, just knowing that my investment is is with my partner and my kids. They will grow. They will be fine. Um, they have had plenty of opportunities to spend time with me when they've chosen to. But my at the end of the day, my relationship is with Amy.
0: But that's also why we've been able to get through all this hard. Is because we choose each other.
1: Right, and that that's the point is. That's got to be the first part of your marriage
0: yeah and as we have coached people we've seen when they're struggling it's usually because they're not choosing each other
1: yeah first
0: they I haven't mean, put each other first
1: how would you have felt if I had chosen kids over you or if you I, chose kids over me
0: well I don't think it, it wouldn't have worked
1: right that's the thing like it's that, that's a huge indicator of, of where your partner's priorities are. you know. And, and again, we're not saying that you just neglect kids and that they're not part of your lives. But when it really gets down to the core of what the relationship is, is it with you and your kids or is it with you and your partner?
0: But if you and your partner have a healthy relationship, it's also a really good example to the kids. And the kids are able to learn from that and they'll be okay. Yeah. You know, So there's a lot to that.
1: There is. And and really, with everything we've learned, I think given our understanding now, we were in an impossible situation. Like, it wouldn't have mattered even if you had been an angel and, like, their best friend. I
0: was an angel.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. but it really, it didn't
0: matter. But that's what we're going to get into right now.
1: I know. That's, that's this what is I'm, the good stuff. That's my point, though, is Yeah. Like, you weren't doing anything wrong as no. a mom. Like, you are an amazing mom, okay? You, you've you done a fantastic job parenting your own kids, and, you know, they they are very self-sufficient. They uh, can take complete care of themselves. They They know how to cook. They know how to clean. They know how to do all of the things, and they have had... Obviously, a great influence in their lives with you. So, it's not that you're not an amazing mom because you are, and you're an amazing person. So, it's not that either. There's like something else that's in this relationship with the kids that
0: makes it not work. that
1: makes it not work, and that's right. what we're gonna jump into. That's
0: what we're getting into right now. So, after that therapy, uh, therapy with a child therapist did not work. So, we shifted gears. And we also read a lot of books, but we decided. So many books. (laughs) So many books.
1: And some of them are so boring. But
0: helpful.
1: I know, but man.
0: I know. So we decided to find a therapist that specialized in divorce, blending families, and all of the stuff that we were faced with. And we learned a lot. You want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, let's jump into it. Why not? <laughs> okay, so A number one, the biggest problem, is what they call the loyalty conflict. So if, if you don't know what this is, uh, I guess we can give a real quick uh, definition. Uh, basically, if you think about most kids, uh, they obviously love their mom, they love their dad, And in a relationship like this, you are trying to insert another woman into their life. And their natural tendency, and some some of it is cultural, is that they they don't want that additional woman in their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they will, by nature, cling to their mom. And that's really where this loyalty conflict comes from, because if the mom doesn't let the kids know that hey it's okay if you have a relationship with another woman it's okay if you go and have good times and if her house is different or she cooks different or she has different rules or different parenting styles or any of these things if the mom doesn't let the kid know that hey it's okay for those things to happen she's still a good person she might be different than me but it's okay. You can love her and you can care about her and you can have great experiences with her. If the mom doesn't essentially say those things then it creates this loyalty conflict because they obviously don't want to disappoint their mom. They don't want their mom to feel like oh this other woman is better than you are. Uh, they, They feel that conflict but if the mom says it's okay it unlocks that entire relationship. And that's like it, it sounds crazy simple, but you know, Amy's experienced the other side of that of being the mom with a new stepmom in her kids' lives. It's not always that that easy, but that's that's really at the core what it is. It's allowing kids to have a relationship with a stepmom and letting them know that it is one hundred percent okay. Mm-hmm. Because then that puts the kids in a position, like let's just walk through a scenario. Let's say say kids come spend the weekend with dad and, and their stepmom, and they have some really, really fun things happen. Maybe they go uh, on some activities, they have a really good meal, and like just a great time, and they can let their guard down, and they can, they can just be kids, and they've got their dad there, and their stepmom, and it kind of feels like a normal family maybe for, you know, some time. And as soon as they, they get back with mom, mom's like, hey, so how was your weekend? Now, put yourself in the kid's position. Uh, if they say, oh my gosh, I had the best weekend. Like, we went and did these really fun activities, and we ate this great food, and it was so much fun. If mom says, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. That was great. Like, I'm glad that you're able to do that with your, your dad and your stepmom. Then, The kid's going to feel and know like, hey, like that was okay. Like it's okay for me to have those experiences versus let's say mom is jealous about the situation. And so kid comes home and and mom says, hey, how was your weekend? And kid in their mind is thinking, oh, my gosh, I had the best time. We went and did all these fun things and great food and knows that mom's going to be disappointed or upset or mad or fill in the blank like whatever that emotion is that mom's gonna feel and so the kid is is gonna feel that conflict Like, am I loyal to my mom or am I loyal to my my dad and my stepmom and if they don't feel safe sharing those experiences then they're gonna say nah, well it was alright I had just an okay time even though inside they know that they had a great weekend they had a great time but they don't feel like they can share that they can't be themselves and so it puts them in this really like crazy hard spot. And typically, those kids are going to live with mom. And so mom is the one that you have to keep happy. Mom is the one that you spend the bulk of your time with. And so if she's mad, if she's frustrated, if she's jealous or any of those things, then life could be pretty miserable. So kids learn really quickly in these types of situations how to communicate and what that messaging needs to be back to mom after a weekend at dad's.
0: Yeah. And that's what was so hard for us that we didn't understand before we knew what this loyalty conflict was because I felt like I was doing all the right things, but it didn't matter.
1: And you were doing all the right things. But it didn't
0: matter. It didn't matter what I did. I was always this total bad guy. I remember taking your daughters. So I took his kids, his two girls, for a full day where we went to lunch we went and got our nails done we even came home and I did crafts by the way I hate doing crafts <laughs> I just have to say like I was really trying to be a plus stepmom <laughs> and so these crafts were not short they were a long time and I did them and they had a great day but then they didn't
1: yes Next it wasn't you know it wasn't long after they left that I get a phone call And
0: their mom is screaming at Chris that I have been the worst ever to them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So me, I'm like, those bratty kids, I just did all these things for them. And they go home and tell her all, what, you know, and I'm feeling like betrayed and That's not how it went. So I have all these feelings.
1: And I was confused, too, because I knew how things had gone. I had seen it, and I I had been with the kids, so I I knew they had a great day. And so here I'm like, what? Like, this is not what we experienced.
0: No, but that became the usual. Yeah. He would get a phone call.
1: Or a text or an email saying that the kids hated this, they hated that. Everything's terrible. So... We finally figured out that the, it was this loyalty conflict was, was the problem. And so the kids would go home. They wouldn't talk about the fun, good things. Uh, they would say things were, eh, okay, it was fine, except for there was this one time that Amy, Amy did this or Amy <laughs> did that, and then that's what would be latched onto, and that's what the conversation would center around, and that would lead to the email slash phone call slash text message how dare Amy do this to our kids? And, you know, like, what?
0: I'm like, first of all, I never even did that thing. But anyway, it became, it became really hard. But it affects everyone. And that's what's so sad about it and why we wanted to have this podcast around the subject. Because even if you're, like, the best person ever, you can, without even realizing it, create that loyalty conflict with your kids to, towards their stepmom. And I didn't, I didn't do that with the, my own kids becoming or my own kids having a new stepmom. But I totally felt the feelings, and I understood how it could happen.
1: Yeah, but I, I think really the thing that that you've done well as a, as a mom having a stepmom in your kids' lives now, like, was very first uh, as as this woman came into their lives. You were very complimentary of her. You were excited to hear about their experiences. And, you know, fortunately, we had been through those those experiences ourselves to know kind of how to set your kids and, and their stepmom up for success. But you did a great job at making your kids know and feel that it was okay for them to have a great relationship with her. And you were always very positive uh, about the things that they would do and the, and the feelings that they were having and, and really focused uh, their attention um, and drew attention to how lucky they were to have such a great stepmom in their lives. Uh, and, and it like I think it's made a massive, massive difference for your kids with their stepmom.
0: Oh, 100 percent. But even though I did that and that's how I wanted it to go, it still wasn't easy. And I still had that like little bits of jealousy, like where I'm like, what? She gets to spend time with them on this weekend and I don't, you know, all those feelings are still there, but just don't act on them, ladies. Just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they don't. They're not good.
1: But but that it's such a massive unlock just to sit your kids down. Hey, let them know you're going to have a new stepmom. I will always be your mom. Mm -hmm. I will always love you. I will always be here for you. She will never be your mom, but that's okay. But you can love her. You can have great time with her, great experiences with her. I am always here for you.
0: And I want to hear about how things go. Like, you can have lots of relationships with people that love you, and it's okay.
1: Yeah. So, Amy. Yeah? (laughs) You're now six years into blending Yes. Sometimes it feels like oil and water, huh? Yes. We blend and then it just separates. And we blend and it separates. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So six years into this, more than six years, what are your five main takeaways? Mm.
0: The first and biggest one that I've had to really work on but has been life-changing for me Is understanding that it's not personal. The way I have been treated is totally wrong. It's not okay. But it's not personal. And even though it still has hurt, it's okay. Like it's...
1: It's not you. It's not me. You're a great mom. You're a great wife. You're a great person.
0: Understanding that though, because in the beginning I took it very personal. And it wasn't until we were in therapy and the therapist said, you need to write on your hand every Friday before they show up, <laughs> it's not personal. And every time anything happens, just look down at your hand. And I really did that. I would do that and I would look and then I'd go in my room and I don't know. <laughs> so that's the biggest thing is that it's not personal. And even though it's not fun and it hurts, these kids, they are kids and they, they're they struggling.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard a hard for
0: situation for them. And so uh, the other thing we learned was the more likable the person, the bigger the conflict is. Right. And so if you're a likable person and you're doing all these fun things or whatever, it could make it even worse. Yeah. So I like to say that's our problem. I'm super likable. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, no. <laughs> and humble too.
0: And so humble. <laughs> so humble. Okay, actually, just All kidding. right, all right. Okay, so, so that's, number, that's
1: number one. That's, that's number, number two. One.
0: So the second thing was to give myself permission to take time out whenever I needed. And this was hard for you. Yeah. This was hard for you because he would want me to be with them and him. And when they were ignoring me and when I didn't matter, like I would try to talk to them. They wouldn't talk to me and they're talking to their dad. They look straight at their dad. They act like I'm not there. It makes it really hard to want to even be in the room anymore after you're ignored for an hour or plus, whatever. Or when something bad happens and you're just really frustrated, Chris wants me by his side with them and I want to crawl in a hole. Uh, giving yourself the permission that it's okay to take a time out. Like, go do something for you, go in your room, watch a show, go on a run, go do whatever you need to do to be able to deal with the situation so you can get through the situation. And that was huge. In the beginning, I did not do that. I would just like literally stay by him dying inside because I didn't have a voice. I felt like I walked on eggshells. I felt like they were just like looking at me with their hate eyes. And I was like, just didn't (laughs) like being there. It was really hard to be there. And, so.
1: and obviously I, you know, wanted Amy to be there as, as a co-parent that we were, you know, partners in this and, uh, but, you know, had to let some of that go realizing that there were times that, that this was more than she needed to deal with. And, and there were times that I just needed to handle it uh, with my kids on my own and that it was okay for ha- her to have that, that downtime and, and get that uh, time out that she needed. Yeah. All right. Is that it for number two? Yeah. All right.
0: (laughs) The third thing is similar to number two, but it's basically maintaining your own boundaries and the boundaries in your home.
1: You you, are? Like you could have a voice in your own home? Is that weird?
0: I know. I was told I couldn't when we first got married. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't get to have a voice in my own home, but you absolutely should have a voice in your own home. You should have your own boundaries, the things that you feel comfortable with. And if you don't, don't do them. I would do them and I would feel worse. And that's not okay. And so if you could have your own boundaries and then also, so boundaries for yourself and your relationships, as well as boundaries within your home. If certain things aren't allowed in your home, guess what? You get to be the one to say that they're not allowed. And if your stepkids are yelling at you or hate that you said that, so be it. Guess what? They're going to learn that that's not acceptable and it's going to get better.
1: Yep. And as a partner, like, I have to back you up in that. Obviously, yeah. the boundaries are boundaries that we've, we've both worked out and we've both talked about, and, and we look at it as, as our blended or blending family's boundaries. Right. Um, but they might be different than what the kids experience at their other home. So, you know, you've got to communicate that with the kids, but then they'll know like, Hey, this is, we are a separate family. We're a different family. We're not the family that's at your house. We're at this house. And here are the rules for this house and this family.
0: Yeah. Another thing I've learned is that my feelings are normal and they're okay. I'm not crazy. Maybe I am a little bit crazy but we all are, right?
1: Did you want me to comment on that?
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but really my, my feelings are normal and they're warranted and it's okay to express them. That's really what I wanted to say. And also, I'm not their mom and I'm not their dad. This one was really freeing for me and I don't even think I've ever talked to you about it
1: I don't it's, know that you have. I don't
0: think I have. I just say it in my own head, and it really helps me. So here it is. <laughs> All right. Let's,
1: let's hear it. I'm excited. What, what is this revelation we've got?
0: <laughs> I have come to the point to where when they need to be parented, like when there's things that need to go down, I don't have to be that person. I am not going to be held accountable for how they become and how they grow up. The adults that they are have nothing to do with me or the adults that they become. So if you want to discipline them in a certain way and I don't really like it, it's not my place to not like it because I'm not their parent. But also if they turn out a way that maybe I don't think that they should, they're still not my kid. That sounds really terrible, huh?
1: Yeah. So you got no skin in the game here? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: That's actually not what I'm saying.
1: I think what you're saying is ultimately it's the biological mom and dad that should be raising the kids yeah and uh, obviously you're still going to give input to me as, as a partner like hey I don't think it's a good idea if kids do this or kids do that or did you notice this behavior like how do we keep that in the boundaries that we have in our own home uh, those conversations still take place and they they are still really important.
0: But I don't have but... to have the attachment of what happens if it doesn't work out.
1: And I actually have some of that too. Like, if you look at the amount of time I get with my kids, it's yeah, such a small window of time. Like, we're really talking three, maybe four days a month. Like, that's like 10%. Right. So 90% of the time, I have little to no input on how they're being raised and parented. And so I obviously do what I can when when I'm with them. But there's a big part of that that I don't even have
0: control over. And I think I need to expand on this a little more because I did not explain it very well. But... When we first got married, I had all these expectations for these kids and how to parent them and how great it's going to be. And I'm going to help them develop in these ways. And I'm going to do all these things for these kids. And then as we got into it and I realized, first of all, they don't want my feedback back. Second of all, if if he disciplines them in a way that I'm not okay with, that's okay because he's the parent, not me. And so I can give my input but I've learned to become more detached of the outcome.
1: And and I think, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but that doesn't mean that you don't care. That no, mean I absolutely
0: that don't. care. But I used to care so much that I think I would drive myself crazy. Like, I can't believe he did it this way. He could have done it that way. Oh, they would have responded so much better this way. Oh, like la la la, all the crazy mom talk that goes in your head. And just being okay with like, okay, you know what? I can support how I can, but I, I really am not the mom and that's okay.
1: So let me just make sure I understand correctly. You feel like you still give your input. You still have boundaries. You still essentially help parent, but you're completely, you've, you've completely accepted the reality that they're the end result of what they become as adults is outside of your control.
0: Yes. You said it much better than I've been able to say it. Good job.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes, having that, because that was a huge unlock for me. Cause I always felt like this pressure to help them more, to do more. And I still am, but then I would feel almost betrayed or felt bad when they didn't want it or when they did something different or when Chris parented different than I thought they should or whatever, like those crazy feelings I've learned to let go of.
1: Did you feel like it was a, a reflection on you as a mom?
0: Yeah, I totally did. Because now people are like, How many kids do you have? And I didn't know how to answer. Do I have three? Do I have seven? Do I say, I have three of my own and four stepchildren? It's just like answering that. But then if you say seven, you feel like the pressure of the mother of seven children, I don't know. It, I don't know if I'm all alone over here or if you guys have felt this way, but that's how I felt. So letting go of that and being okay with, you know, they really are not my kids in that sense. It's okay. Yeah. I can be more of an aunt in their life and support them, not a mom.
1: Okay. That makes sense. So those are the lessons. Um, What would you do different?
0: I would have personal boundaries in place from the beginning. That's what I did not have. I tried to please too much and I didn't have a voice. And so I'd absolutely have personal boundaries and I'd respect my enough I'd respect myself enough to have that voice, even though it's hard. It's hard to have those conversations about someone else's kids. Like, your kids are making me blah 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 crazy, whatever. Like you feel bad, but I would have had more of those conversations in the beginning instead of just, like, swallowing it.
1: Well, and some of that, I, I think, was just due to the counseling advice right. that we got. You know, we were trying to do the best we could. and Yeah. It also, it is really hard to hear things like that. On, it's hard, yeah. On the other side, like, that you're struggling with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those are hard things to hear.
0: Yeah. And then also keeping the power like we gave away so much power in the beginning to those kids like we would. I remember one time I was on phone, Chris, and I was just it was their first weekend officially staying at our house with me being a new stepmom very first weekend. And so there's things I was picking up at the store like toothbrushes. Do you remember this? No. <laughs> See, he doesn't even remember. And it was like scarring for me. So I'm just at the grocery store and, you know, in my adult life, you go to the grocery store, you get what you need. You become a mom, you just go to the grocery store, you get what you need, you bring it home to your family. But he calls me and I'm at the grocery store and he wants to then get off the phone with me and have me wait while he calls his kids to see what they want to eat for the weekend and also what kind of toothbrushes they want me to buy and what color they want the toothbrushes to be. And basically this long list of things he's got to clear with his kids before he calls me back, before I can finish my grocery shopping. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Whenever have I given my kids the opportunity to pick out their toothbrush? Anyway, so just that, like that was our first weekend. And obviously I remember it and you didn't, but... I was like, no, I should buy whatever I want. <laughs> so not giving away so much power to the kids because that about drove me nuts.
1: Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question about, uh, this was about six months into our our marriage. Uh, I asked you, if I asked you to marry me again, <laughs> would you do it again? Oh. Do you remember that?
0: Yes, I remember. So you remember it, too. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So he did ask me that question if I would do it again, and I paused. And that's when I knew I
1: was in trouble. I shouldn't ask that question, right? I paused,
0: (laughs) and then I told him, I don't know if I would do it again. Of course, I still love you, but I don't know that I would have done this again. Now, the circumstance that he asked me under was terrible
1: so maybe it was an okay question just the wrong time to ask
0: i i still don't know that i would have changed my answer but when he at that time at that time i don't know if i would have changed my answer now it's a different answer but when he asked me that question we had just wait
1: now it's a different answer
0: well now i would say yes i would do it again okay but Good. back then I just want to make happy. sure I
1: like, just wanted to clarify. <laughs> no, back then I felt like I
0: was living a nightmare and I was like feeling like the worst person on the planet. But when he asked me that question, we were on a trip. We had just gotten the kids down. We were visiting his parents and his kids had been terrible. Like our trip was the worst trip ever. And we finally get them down. I've already cried like multiple times that day. And we're finally in bed. And he rolls over and asks that question. I'm like, hey, it's been a nightmare day. Why would I ever be (laughs) like, this is so wonderful. I love it. (laughs) Let's do it every day. Yeah. So the timing.
1: Little suspect.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that was like, that was six months into it. And now here we are six plus years like why did you stay if it was so awful
0: I stayed for multiple reasons number one because I do love you and it's a really deep love I think that's still not enough to stay a lot of times for a lot of people the big difference is that you choose me so even though things have been terrible and really hard with the kids we have been able to work together on it, and you have chosen me, you've shown that I'm important to you, and that we will get through this, I think that's probably the biggest reason that we've been able to. Also, you haven't, like, defended your kid's behavior, saying, well, it's okay, or whatever. Like, I've looked at, since we've been in this situation you end up finding friends that are in similar situations and so you share stories and and then also through the coaching that we've done you know we've now worked with lots of people in these situations and the common denominator is that we do choose each other which we've already talked about today but a lot of parents will side with their kid even when they know that their kid is in the wrong and that creates a wedge between the partners and so you have Recognize that it's wrong you've recognized that it's hard and you have helped me see that it will be okay so it has been a long road
1: yeah definitely not easy nor yeah. is it over
0: nor is it over but that right there is why I did stay is because I would see that and I would see your heart and I knew I loved you and then I knew there would be weekends without any kids too, which always make up for it. So.
1: Yeah. Well, guess what. What? I'm really glad you stayed. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you better be. <laughs> I am.
0: Uh, so, how did it feel when I asked when you asked me that question with my answer?
1: Uh, I gotta admit, it was a bit crushing uh, to know that regardless of how good or I had or hadn't been as, as a partner that like you wouldn't do it again You know, and that realization that as determined as you might be to make a second marriage work that there are so many external influences that are trying to pull it apart and break it up like right. you might as, as perfect as you might be as a partner, you still might not make it because there's so many things working against you. And, uh, so, you know, if anything, yes, it was very hard to hear. Like it just, it crushed me a little bit, but it also taught me that I, you know, really need to pay attention to your, your feelings and be aware of of what you're going through and support you to make sure that our relationship was a number one and and that's you know really as we've talked about uh has helped us get through a lot of really really hard things
0: yeah but that's when we really started changing things too was when I answered that question that way yeah (laughs) it was a hard question to answer but we did make adjustments and change things and it still has been really hard but it's but we've been able to do it
1: I don't think I've asked you that question again have I (laughs) no
0: (laughs) no you have not (laughs) nope
1: all right so what uh what advice do you have for all of the either current stepmoms or future stepmoms that are out there
0: i think the biggest thing is to keep the communication with your partner open let them know how you're feeling because that's another thing that I would just kind of close up because I didn't want to tell them again that I'm going crazy, you know. But that was in the beginning of the marriage with me just kind of shutting down that made things harder. So the open the open communication, which is not easy to do, but the more that you communicate with each other and the more honest you are with each other, the deeper your relationship will grow anyway. So it's, it's positive keeping those wedges out of there. And then... I've already said this, but taking time for yourself and remembering that your voice matters and let go of the guilt, like the stepmom guilt. We all have this stupid mom guilt anyway, but then the stepmom guilt on top of it, it's like, let go of the guilt altogether. We're all doing the best that we can with what we have. And so that that dang guilt that always creeps up, just just let it go and know that you're doing the best you can. It's not personal. The way they treat you is not personal. And then last was just to be part of support groups, even things like this podcast that can help you feel sane and can help you understand your feelings so that you can work through them. That's my advice. Do you have any advice or any comments?
1: Advice for stepmoms or (laughs) stepdads? For me, I would say number one, is is to listen. Uh you've got to listen to your partner and understand her needs and uh thoughts and feelings and try and be like hyper aware of of the situations that are going on with the kids and and stepmom and that also means listening to the kids and understanding Uh, where they're at and the challenges that they're facing. And once, uh, even though you you might listen, like that's a great place to start. There definitely are still times that you're going to be in way over your head. You're not going to have the tools to deal with all of the scenarios that that you're going to experience. And so support groups, definitely helpful. Uh, A lot of books and some really boring books are helpful. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, again, making, making your partner, uh, number one, uh, so that it's, it's always clear where your priorities lie and, uh, put those things, those things in place. And, you know, we're six plus years, like what, six and a half,
0: six and a half married, seven and a half total.
1: And we're still plugging along. So I think we've, we've, got a pretty good handle on a lot of it there's still a lot of challenges ahead of us we know uh, things are far from perfect but I feel like we're good and as long as we're good then the kids will be good right so that's really I, I would say like my my closing thought is if you and your partner are good then you and your kids will be good
0: yeah I think you're right well I hope you guys learned From our mistakes, we've made a ton of them, but we have learned from a lot of them too. So as long as you're learning and growing, right?
1: Um, Also, feel free to reach out to us too. Like we would love to hear your challenges, uh, hear your stories uh, and hear your voice. We know that it can be a pretty lonely place out there uh, as a step parent and going through Uh, second marriage it's a lot of people just can't relate they think it's oh you're married so automatically the template for being married applies and it's totally different your time is less than half you're pulled in many many more directions and have many many more challenges so please don't feel like you're alone because you're not
0: reach out with comments or even subjects if you're wanting certain topics we'd love to hit on those we also have a patreon account basically what it is, is you get insider info with like extra interviews as we're interviewing people. There's a bunch of freebies and things that are offered that are not offered on just the podcast in general. So if you haven't checked out Patreon, make sure you do. And it basically just supports us. It's really, if you wanted to get involved really cheap, like $5 a month, it's nothing big, but it just helps the podcast go. So As we want to continually grow and keep annoying commercials off this thing. (laughs) Because we all hate that. that. (laughs) We all hate those, right? So this is a way to do that if you like what you're listening to. So obviously no pressure at all, but check it out. We'll have a link down below with the description on what that is. And we also feature people from our, our Patreons. We will feature them. I said Patreons. It's actual patrons, but the website is Patreons. Just to be clear.
1: Yes, So, just to be clear.
0: Just to be clear. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you on another podcast.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure you are subscribed to my weekly newsletter and Facebook group so you don't miss anything. Find both on my website at LuckySanders.com.